As you return to your seats, find somebody and just encourage them. Just let them know God's with them today. They're not alone. Amen. Amen and amen. Now, don't get too quiet on me. All right? don't, don't get too quiet on me. I know today's format is a little differently, but uh, don't get quiet. You at home, throw something in the chat there and let us know that this is the day the Lord has made. We're here to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. <coughs> so today what we're, what we're going to do is we are going to, uh, what we haven't really actually, actually ever done like in a church service, is we're going to have a time of questions and answers. In particular, those questions that were, um, that were put out to us this week. Um, and so you'll see some very like detailed questions on here. Some of them are simple, but some of them are very detailed. And so we want to make sure that we are, uh, that we were uh, faithful to the question that was asked and that we are answering those questions that were asked, but I'm not going to do that alone today. Okay. I, I get to serve as uh, the moderator today for, uh, the wisdom and insight that God has given, uh, to our, our family members here. They're going to help me minister the service. So, um, would you please, and not be quiet about this, but would you please put your hands together and welcome to the stage, our, our very own Thomas, Tommy Patterson. <laughs> Pastor Roberto Beto Ortega and Pastor OG herself, Pastor Olga Becker. Come on, put your hands together and welcome them to the stage today. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles real quick, as they're, as they're joining me, if you have your Bibles, I just felt like I needed to do this real quick. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And then I'm going to start these questions. But I was just reading through this before I came out today, and I just want you to see this. <clears throat> First Corinthians 15, it tells us this. Uh, let's just start in verse 50. And no, it's not on the screen, so you're going to have to do this old school and actually use a Bible or use your phone app, okay? Verse 50 says, now this I say, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, okay? So my physical body, I can't get there like, like I am nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Okay? Because, because of sin, obviously there, there's corruption. So the sinful, the corrupted, cannot inherit the holy or what is incorruptible. And then he says, I will tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning we will, we will not all die. Okay? But some of us are going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Just in case you still don't believe this or you've never heard this before, Jesus is coming back. And, and the announcement of that return is this loud trumpet blast that's going to happen. And so if you're not dead, what happens to you? Something's going to happen. You're going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. And the Bible says that this trumpet sound, uh, the dead will be raised incorruptible. So anyone whose body is in the ground or in the sea or, or ashes spread somewhere or, or eaten by, I don't know, something strange, uh, all of a sudden, that becomes incorruptible. God brings it back together and it becomes incorruptible. And then he says this, for, uh, verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So if we're still alive when Jesus returns and ultimately this body is going to be transformed into something that is now holy and incorruptible and immortal. And then it says this, uh, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the same, and it is written this way, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. 
Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, oh, grave, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. I'm, I don't mean to, to, to get off on this too much, but I, I, I read this verse, and I, I'm reminded that, that because of sin, we will die. And the reason that the law has any power is because of sin. Okay, but I can't live under the law. I can't fulfill the law. Only Jesus could do that. That's why we have verse 57. It says, so thanks be to God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not just victory over sin, but victory over death. Can you say amen? And so with this family, as we get ready to, to talk about the questions that you proposed this week, and I just want you to know that while we are not God and we don't have all the answers, we have gone to God and we have gone to his word to seek those answers. And so today we want to, to do our best to be the, the wisdom and the knowledge and the representation of the word of God to you. And I do want you, if you're taking notes, to write these things down. If, if our answers prompt more questions, I want you to make sure that you ask those questions because what we have has been revealed to us. What we don't know, we will find out one day. And so I don't live in a state of worry or fear about what I don't know. I thank God for what has been revealed, and I put my faith and trust in that. Can I get an amen? Amen. So today, along with, uh, with Tommy and Pastor Beto and Pastor Olga, uh, we had some, some questions that were proposed to us this week, and so we want to answer those questions. So I'm going to start first with this, this awesome, uh, powerful man of God, Thomas Patterson. Ladies and gentlemen, get show him some love today. We're grateful for him. Not only did Tommy have to take the offering, hey, I know Miss Autumn is more than thankful for Tommy. Amen. Let me propose this here today for you first, Tommy. And this question was kind of asked, um, and I, I feel like there's different variations of this question, but um, amen. This question that, uh, that has been put forward to us in terms of, uh, of, of hell itself, now, why do we have hell and not just heaven? Because especially in our, our, our modern day and age time, we, we realize that so many people, uh, just statistics show us, a good majority of Americans no longer believe in hell. Uh, a majority of Americans still believe in heaven. And we, that's why we tell everybody, no matter who it was, no matter how good or bad the person was when they die, they're in a better place. Uh, but, but the question I think is, is, is pertinent. Uh, why, did, why do we have hell? Then why did God create hell? And, and, and why don't we have just heaven? So please, sir. All right, so... Um Here's just a word of advice. Like, you have questions, and thank you for asking, right? But at the same time, always, always look into the Word of God to find your answers because it's there. It's there. And, um, and if you do not have the ability to dig it out of the Word, um, then that's what we're here for. We're here to, for, for you to ask so we can do something like this. So going to the Word, I found Matthew twenty-five forty-one, And in the NLT, it says, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. So this is basically one of the only places um, where Jesus in the Bible really definitely says that, that th this hell is real and it has been prepared for the devil and his demons. So their punishment is real, right? That's what's going to take place and that's who hell was for. Now, depending on where you land, right? If you're going to be in chapter or verse seven or verse eight, right? Those in verse eight have basically decided to join on the side of Satan and they will then join in with the punishment that belongs to him. 
It doesn't necessarily belong to us. You have that choice. Because in Matthew 12, 30, it tells us, Jesus said that anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So you cannot be lukewarm and half-hearted in doing this. Okay. Everything we do, we have to do with intentionality. Um, we have to be mindful of our actions. I know that's not always easy, but at, throughout your day, at some point in time, you're going to remember the things that you've done that day. And it's important that you go through and you, and you examine yourself to know that you're on the right path, doing the right things. Um, but yes, hell is a very real place and it's there for a reason, for the punishment of Satan and the angels who fell with him. Um, and we do not have to be there, yes. but, but some, some are living as though that's their reward, and we do not want that. That's why we're here. Thank you, Tommy. Real quick, just since we're here on this, let's just make sure that we're all making heaven our home, okay? Would you in this room right now just pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your life and your death and your resurrection. Today, I put my faith in you. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from the inside out and help me now to walk with you until I live with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, now you don't have to go to hell. You just made the way to heaven. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for making that path. Amen. Continuing along here, um, I appreciated this question, and I'm sure that um, some of you in this room will appreciate this next question. Pastor Olga, I'm going to give this one to you. Um, I like how it was proposed. What happens to our pets when they die? Come on, somebody. Amen, right? Amen. Why not? Because, you know, sometimes people get on your nerves, but you got, at least you got a, a puppy or a cat at home. You're just like, they, they got to feel some real love. So, Pastor Olga, please. Amen. How many of you have a, a lovely fur animal at home that you love or you have loved or, you know, and you just, you want, you've you wondered yourself this question. And so, we have to go to the Word and we have to say, okay, what does the Bible say about animals? And that's what my answer is here today. Um, well, I should say the word is our answer. Animals were created by God. Amen. We know that animals were created by God. In Genesis uh, 1.20, it, it tells us that they were created by God, and they were created by God, and it's described as the breath of God is in them. Uh, Genesis 1.30 says, And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, created by God, I give every green plant for food, and it is so. And so we know by going to the word that God created the animals. He, he breathed life into them, and they were created actually before us, before humans. And we also know by going to the word that animals will exist in heaven. Isaiah 65, 25 says, The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. So we know that in heaven, prey and predator will exist, but they will coexist. They won't be eating each other. I, if we go through the word of God, it, 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 we were reading this last night, how God's original intention before the follow, before uh, sin was for all of us, for the animals to eat um, plant food. And I was like, ooh, are we supposed to be vegans? But anyway, well, I don't want to go off on that. Um, Thank God so, for the new covenant. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Pray and predator will exist in harmony together in heaven. Everything that has breath, the breath of God in it, has a soul. Because God created animals, he has regard for them. He created them so he loves them. And because uh, he cares for his people, what matters to us deeply, I believe, matters to him as well. 
Um, in Revelation 5.13, it says, everything that God created was created to praise him. Um, and I'm going to close with this. Um, Isaiah tells us in chapter 11, um, verse 6, the lion and the yearling t- the lion and the yearling together, and a little child would lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. We don't see that. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near a cobra's den. And the young child will put his hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. When God makes things right, everything will be at peace everything at peace. So I hope that answers the question. And so don't encourage your children to stick their hands in, in the nest of matters. Not here on earth. Amen. Amen. But it will be made right. Yeah. When God makes everything right, we'll be able to coexist with the cobra, with the rattlesnake, you know, with the lion. Hallelujah. Me and a lion are going to wrestle. We're going to have a good time. And thank you for that, Pastor Rogo. So again, if, if you're worried about your pets, uh, Pastor Bethel's favorite verse is this, the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. The desire of your heart is to be with your pet for all eternity. I believe the Lord will give it to you. Amen. Yeah. Pastor Bethel, since I've brought up your name anyway, um, I, I appreciate this question. This was a pretty detailed question, so we wanted to make sure we put the entire question uh, on the screen here. And the question was this, what if I don't make it? What if I don't do what I'm called to do here on earth? What if I'm too timid? What if I'm too angry? Um, and so uh, to that end there, uh, a man of God, let, let's speak to what the ultimate the scriptures tell us about uh, those of us who who know truth and yet, in different forms or fashions, struggle to sometimes live out our purpose or calling. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. And uh, I actually have a follow-up question before I answer that. A follow-up question to that one. Pastor Jamin, where do you think Max is right now? All right. So Pastor Olga had this dog named Max. When we got married, okay. I had a dog named Max, a chihuahua. All right. Let's just be honest, Pastor Beto. Max came from hell, so he probably went back to hell. Okay. <laughs> He was the worst chihuahua ever. Okay, I'm not kidding. I called him Spawn of Satan because the dude was just, he was mean. He was nasty. Um, but I, I loved Max. You, you loved Max. And spoiled him. And, and, and yeah, amen. So having, just pray for me, y'all. Okay, pray for me. I'm still a little bitter. Uh, 21 years later, I'm still a little bitter. Uh, but but, um, but if, if you want him there, Pastor Olga, then I'm, you know, clearly God still loves you. So I'll give you the desires of your heart. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Beth, though, for bringing up a, a bad memory in my life. Hallelujah. Uh, sorry about that. I mean, too. Uh, marriage counseling tonight at uh, 6 o'clock. Uh, we'll be there. Uh, bring a picture of Max, please. Uh, all right. So with all that said, um, you know, I think that we all have a good question, right? It's just that I, I believe that God created each and every one of us with a purpose. And oftentimes we say, well, what if we don't or fulfill our purpose with everything that we are. And I believe that oftentimes we start off with in the wrong, in the wrong place, right? Oftentimes we, we basically start with, what am I supposed to do? What am I to do that, right? And I think the first question that we got to ask is like, who am I in Christ? And I think that if we start off first and foremost with our identity in Christ, everything will become a lot easier. You know, and as I was thinking about this, one of the uh, scriptures that comes to mind also is Matthew seven twenty one and 23 that says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Doing the will of the Father comes with one thing, identity, 
knowing who you are in Christ. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So on the other hand, we can get caught up with doing too many things for the Lord. Oftentimes, we get too busy doing God's work that we forget to do his will. Amen? So we got to think about that. And, you know, again, Ephesians tells us that we really shouldn't be, we, we are saved by grace, not by works, right? So that nobody will boast on the things that they're doing. And I believe that, once again, all of us have giftings and abilities. I believe that the Lord has equipped us with that. The question is, who do we want to be and who is our identity? So I, I truly believe that if you really want to discover your talents, it starts with really having a true, genuine relationship with the Lord. I mean, because you, know, you, you come factory equipped already with a lot of things that you're good at, right? You know, those, those, are, those are, you know, our different talents and abilities, but those talents and abilities become gifts when you're using them for the Lord. Amen. So, for example, when I first came to church, I came to Faith Tabernacle Church, Pastor Jamin's uh, church. One of the things that I came, I just wanted to help. I, I came equipped with some administrative gifts. So I started helping in different areas. Like, you know, I'm seeing Pam taking pictures. I was like, you know, in our youth group, I was like taking pictures. Uh, by the way, I have thousands of pictures. We should probably have a, you know, a, a look at through all these pictures and see where people are at now. Um, and so then I, I was taking pictures. Then um, we were transitioning from, uh, you guys remember the, the overhead projectors where you put the little plastic film on there. So we were transitioning into having a uh, LCD projector with software and stuff like that. So I helped get this stuff set up. Uh, we were still doing tapes and I helped us transition going from tapes to CDs. That's about the, what's the tape? <laughs> the tape <right? laughs> I know. So those are like the little things. I, I would have never thought that the Lord was going to call me to be doing the things that I'm doing now uh, for the church and being used in the area of the ministry. The thing is, is that I just said, Lord, here I am. Use me. I want, I want to know you more in, you know, independently. And I believe that as you get to know the Lord very intimately, you will discover what the Lord has for you to do. And now you don't have to be motivated to do it. You just do it out of love. Amen? Well, well said, man of God. Amen. And to those of you who, who realize this, God has given us, he's, God has already given you talents. He's given you abilities. What you don't want to do is bury that thing. Yeah, you don't want to bury that thing. Use it for the glory of God. And thank you for that, man of God, because, hey, we've all been too timid at different times. We've all been too angry at times. But if we say, here, Lord, I want to just use what you've given me. God will get the glory from it. And in the end, as Pastor Bethel said, God will actually reward you for using your gift. Even if you are timid, even if you are angry, use it for his glory. Thank you for that, man of God. Uh, Tommy, let's, let's come back to you, sir. Um, the question was proposed this way, and I know this might kind of uh, hit a little hard today, but um, this is important that we, that we get a, a real biblical understanding of this question. And here's the question, sir. What happens to those who try but continue to give in to anger or, or sex or drugs or alcohol? Uh, those who continue to repent but they get caught up in, in a cycle. Talk to us, sir, and tell us what exactly happens. All right, so um, thank God for grace. All right, we, we are in a period of grace. Um, 
The law was strict and firm, um, and we couldn't meet it, but Jesus did. And from the time of his death to the time of his second coming, we now have the, the ability through grace to grow and learn and become who he has called us to be. We have that opportunity to do it in love without being under pressure or anything like that. So that's what grace is for. Um, and so in, in looking into this, um, it's broken down. There are, there are typically two types of sin um, that I see, right? You have everyday unexpected sin, stuff that just bubbles up, road rage. I'm cussing somebody out on the road, something like that, you know. Um, a, a, a waitress is being rude at a restaurant. You already had a bad day, and now y'all are just going at it, and you are just giving them the business, and, you know. Um, anything like that, lust pops up, you know, things like that. So that is, the, that is, that is part of being human. This typical every day. It's unexpected, right? The other part, the other typical part is intentional, on purpose, I'm doing this, um, that you know it's premeditated. Um, the, uh, the deciding factor for both is confession, right? If you do not acknowledge it, you can't get away from it. You can't fix it, you can't run, you can't hide. Proverbs 28.13 says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. So don't hide from it. Don't hide from it. Don't run from it. And in 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them for heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. The beauty in this is that the more we confess, the more we seek God, the more we repent and turn and ask for forgiveness, the more we acknowledge the fact that we are broken and lost in a lot of ways, the less it happens over time. You begin to grow and mature in Christ. You begin to know who you are in him. And the need to please him and to be righteous in his sight and wanting to do something for him because your love for him is growing and growing more and more, right? This is what, <laughs> this is what we look forward to. This is how we become who we're called to be. By not allowing that sin, the darkness that can keep us down and hold us back to take hold and to take root. Um, in Matthew 3.8, it says to prove the way you live, Prove the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God, right? So this is, this is also where the, the, the confession part comes in. You can ask for forgiveness all day long, but if you keep running back, um, it's not changing you. It's not making a difference. You don't have to prove anything to God, right? But he still looks for it, right? He wants to see it in your actions, okay? He tests us in so many different ways, right? He doesn't tempt us to do anything wrong, because nothing wrong comes from him. But he will test you in every situation to see that if you'll be obedient, if you'll obey, if you have learned your lesson from these things. And so you want to make sure that you, like I said, confess, seek him out, ask for forgiveness, and then prove in your actions that you are learning and that you are becoming more and growing in him. Come on, somebody say amen for that answer. Thank you, Tommy. Wow, praise the Lord.
I just, I just feel right now, let's just be honest. If there's one thing I appreciated, Kelly, about my conversations with Dawn, she was honest with me. You feel like you've been stuck in a cycle of any, any kind of sin or, or struggle, just throw up your hand real high. Throw, there's no shame in this today. Throw it up real high. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ who breaks every chain and sets the captives free. And whatever that struggle, whatever that cycle is, we are declaring today that we can begin to live in freedom from it. And then as Tommy just said, Lord, then as, as we draw close to you, you will draw close to us and you will help us to resist the devil, resist that temptation, and eventually that thing's going to flee. And then the next thing I know, what was a daily habit now becomes maybe once a week, once a month, and then I don't even think about it anymore because God has so transformed my desire. I want to live right. I want to please him. And even if I stumble, I thank God that he's, his grace is there to pick me up quickly. Thank you, Father. Let, let, let there be freedom from every addiction, freedom from every struggle, freedom from every sin, freedom from every cycle today in Jesus' name. If you believe that Jesus can set you free, come on and shout amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for that, sir. Um, let's continue on here. So, uh, Pastor Olga, um, and I think this is kind of good that you're answering this question, being that we are married. So the question was proposed this way. In heaven, will we recognize the friends and, and the loved ones that we, that we knew on earth, and will we still have our spouse in heaven? I mean, clearly, when uh, Jesus tells Luke 16, we read this multiple times in the last two months, when the, the rich man who was in hell he could recognize. He recognized Abraham. He could recognize Lazarus. So clearly in hell, you have your memory and you can recognize. But tell us uh, about what the scripture tells us about heaven. What we find in the scripture is that um, will we know each other and will we have a spouse? Yes, we will know each other. Yes, we will recognize each other. No, we won't be married like we are here. She'll be free for me finally. Hello, <laughs> and that's, you know, the romantic in me is like, what do you mean when we, we won't be married in heaven? We won't need marriage in heaven like we do here. We won't need, we won't have that need. And, and in um, Matthew twenty two thirty, it says, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given into marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. And what is this saying is we will be like the angels in heaven. We will be there to, to worship, to praise, to celebrate the goodness of God. And we won't need marriage. Marriage, um, it's good to when we think of, of heaven, to think of God's at the center of it all. Our Heavenly Father, Jesus, it's at the center of it all. And so we won't need the things that we need here on earth. And um, while we will see and be, and be with the beloved ones who cried out to Jesus, who believed in Jesus, um, Jesus tells us that um, there is no need for marriage in heaven. There is no need for procreation. You know, and I think we're, we're, we're um, trying to keep this PG-13, but we, there's no need for procreation because we won't need to procreate when we're in heaven. That, that no longer will exist. And the picture of Christ and the church that marriages model here on earth will no longer be necessary because we'll, be, we'll have realized that we'll have um, become that. We'll have, as we are in Christ, you know, the, the picture of how we always read about how, how um, God, how the Father loves the church. That's how marriages have to model that. We won't need that no more because we'll be with Christ in that point. And so we'll have, we'll have fulfilled that. Um, and I just want to add one more thing to that. Um, and it won't be like we won't recognize them. We'll recognize them. We just, the relationship will be different. And in Matthew 19, 29, it tells us that, the Bible tells us that we won't lose relationships in heaven. We'll gain so much more. Um, Matthew 19, 29 says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. We're going to gain so much more. 
And um, we probably won't look around either. We won't be sad. We won't look around and be like, oh, who's here? Who's not here? Because in heaven, there's no sadness. It's just joy. And so I think there's a lot of things that we have to like put in perspective. Like we won't be wondering this. We won't be wondering that. We won't be needing this or needing that because all our needs will already been fulfilled. Amen? Amen. So first person I'm going to see when I get to heaven is Jesus. Can't wait to see my Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 I'll behold him. But then I'm going to be looking for grandpa and grandma. I'll be running them down. I'll be, I can't wait to see them again because I do believe I will, I, will, I will recognize them. They will recognize me, which also just leads to this real quick. If you're wondering if they're looking down from heaven on you, there's no scripture that says that. But I tell you what they are doing. They're rejoicing that they're there and, and enjoying the presence of God forever. So don't, don't worry about if they're looking down on you because you might not want them to see certain things you're doing at certain times. Okay. Let's instead be thankful that the hand, of, the hand of God and the eye of God and the love of God are always over our lives. He's the one looking on us and that's what matters. Can I get an amen? Okay. Hallelujah. Kind of moving along then. Um, Pastor Beto. Um, so I, this was a great question. And I think that's kind of speaks to uh, Matthew 25 as well, where Jesus is kind of telling us is when I was hungry, you didn't give me anything to eat. When I was, when I was naked, you, you didn't come and clothe me. And when I was in prison, you didn't come and visit me. And here was the question. It was very powerful. I said, well, what do you do when you see homeless people on the street? Sometimes I wonder if, if I do nothing, will God give me uh, what was the least of these? And, and did I, because I did nothing to, to help them. And, and then again, I, I can't help every person even if I tried. It was so, so true. Um, I live in Montgomery, and, and, and it is uh, inevitable every single day I will see people asking for money right there at the corner of uh, 30 and, what is it, Douglas, every single day. And so, and some of these people I've helped multiple times. So uh, I, I think this question is powerful in terms of, you know, is, is God going to, to take away from my eternal reward because I wasn't always there to, uh, to meet every single need that I saw? Yes, and I think that's all a uh, very good question, right? We oftentimes get caught in the thing, well, should we be helping? What, what should we be doing? One thing is for sure, Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I believe that the Lord has an expectation for us to be his hands and feet here on earth, right? To do, to do his work. But I also believe at the same time that we have to use wisdom and when, we're, when it pertains to helping people. Um, you know, about 11 plus years ago, we were doing a good amount of homeless ministry and, and also uh, Fake Tab was right downtown Aurora, so we had a lot of different people coming in. You know, and during that time, um, it really, to me personally, came to the realization that I have to use wisdom. I cannot help every person that walks in the door. I cannot help every person that, that uh, extends their hand out. The reality of things is, is that no matter how much you want to uh, help people, some people, unfortunately, all that they want is a handout. We ran into individuals who, you know, I've offered to, hey, let me go ahead and help you. I'll, I'll coach you. Let me help you get a job and, and whatnot. And he looked at me like, I don't need all that. I just, I just want a few bucks. It's like, I, I, I like my lifestyle. I want to live in my lifestyle. You know, I make a living off of this. This is, this is what I do. This is my career, per se. And, uh, and I believe that um, we got to use wisdom as it pertains to how we use different people. But at the same time, uh, James 4.17 reminds us that if we know to do good, if we don't do it, that is sin to us. So when you see a homeless person or you see somebody in need, really ask the Lord and say, Lord, how would you like me to be your hands and feet in this situation? 
You know, uh, James 2.18 2, says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith, but what I do. Do you know that, you know, we all have heard the uh, story of the Good Samaritan, right? And I think that, you know, there's the Good Samaritan um, stuff, and sometimes when somebody, even in the news, right, so, oh, a Good Samaritan helps somebody. But right now, we wouldn't be talking about the Good Samaritan if the Good Samaritan didn't take a personal risk, if, the, if he did not want to get personally involved, if he didn't want to just take the time to help, but more importantly, if he did not invest his money, right? So if you are asking yourself that question, like once again, what I would say is pray, ask the Lord, ask for wisdom and say, Lord, how would you like me to get involved? And then after that, really decide, do I want to take a personal risk? Do I want to get personally involved? Do I want to take the time to do this? And do I have the money and resources to be able to do this? And I believe that if you just take those steps, the Lord will help and guide you in those situations. Thank you for that answer, sir. In terms of um, any kind of interaction that you might have with, with those in need, I think the, what Pastor Beth is telling us is so spot on. We've got to check our heart. And God, how do you want me to help this situation? Sometimes it is a handout. Sometimes it is, can I just pray with you? Sometimes it is, can I, can I take you to church? Um, and, and if at any point in time you feel the Lord leading you, maybe not to give money directly to that individual. There are organizations here in Aurora that do help the homeless, feed the homeless, house the homeless. And so contribute towards those causes as well. Because uh, you are showing God, uh, I, I'm invested in, in ministering to, to needs and not just necessarily always giving a handout, because I don't know where it's going to go. And so I'm not trying to enable anyone either. But uh, thank God for these Christian organizations that exist within our city as well to help meet those needs of the homeless. So praise God for that. I'm continuing on, and, and we, we're kind of at, at the last couple of questions we've got here. So, um, so Tommy, um, I, I, this is a, a kind of a statement question, um, but we are saved uh, through faith and not of works. So Pastor Beth, I think we just quoted that from Ephesians 2 just a moment ago. But then... Is it not also by works that we continue to be saved, to keep a heart of repentance? Uh, Jesus obviously saved us, but it's our job to keep it that way. And I think it's a, it's a fantastic question because within so much of so many religions, the majority of, of, of their understanding of salvation comes through what they do. In Christianity, our understanding of salvation comes through what Jesus did. And, and so what does that mean now in terms of uh, how, am I, how am I truly saved and how do I continue to, to I guess, walk out that salvation? So um, the great thing is, is that uh, salvation is a gift. Um, so I was, I'm going to be honest, I was working this over a lot last night. Um, so many different directions coming from and everything. So where I ended up landing um, is not necessarily where this question is leading, but um, I'm going to go into it a little bit anyway. So uh, salvation is a gift from God, and I cannot remember the verse or the, you know, the chapter and verse right off the top of my head right now, but it is a gift from God, meaning that you don't earn gifts, right? Your birthday comes around, somebody gives you something because it's your birthday and they love you. It's the same thing with salvation. God loves us. He loved us first, and he made sure that there was a way for us to return back to him. Um, so it's, it's a gift given, and it is not something that we earn. That being said, right? Once we have it, just like any other gift you're given, um, if somebody hands you something, say, I send something to your house through Amazon, say, hey, this is a gift from you. You pull that box in the door and you just leave it by your door, right?
right? Do you have the gift? Yes. Are you using it? No, right? That, that choice is up to you now. It doesn't matter. I would say it doesn't matter not, not as much that I'm, I, I needed to feel like I earned what came to me, right? I needed to earn what was given to me. And that if I open this box and receive this gift in, now I have to work harder to make sure that I'm worthy of it. That's not the case, right? Love from God does not work that way, right? He loved you before you were created. He loved you from the foundations of the earth. So when he says, I give you this, and there's nothing you can do, and he tells us, Many different times. There's nothing you can do to earn this. It's a gift from me to you. Congratulations. Right? So we don't have to work to maintain the gift of salvation. We have to work to maintain ourselves in him. Right? Because we can easily get lost in so many different things. Like, like I mentioned before in those sins that bubble up or in the intentionalities or being lost in working for the ministry and not working for the Lord. You can get lost so many different ways. So our work is to maintain ourselves. And the beauty is about the Ephesians chapter that he was reading from. This is where I landed. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. This is another one of those. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We are his masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things that he had planned for us long ago. So while I don't have to earn things through works, I was created to do good things. Right? I was created to do good works. And there are many, many, many different ways to do that. Um, through, through your giving, through your service, uh, just through being there when somebody needs you. Whatever the case may be, you were created to do good works. And in doing good works, you are holding on to your salvation. You are growing deeper in the Lord. You are going to be, and it's just going to flow out of you, right? In receiving his love, it's going to be an accepted way that it's like, I have to reciprocate. This is what I'm built for, right? This is what I'm created for. So from you, the good works will come because he loves you deeply and you are showing that love back to him by loving on his people because his people are the reward in this life for real, right? The lost ones, they're his treasure, his treasure, and they should be ours as well. Thank you for that answer, sir. Amen. Amen. So that we are just a clear understanding, okay? In Ephesians 2, where Tommy references this, the truth is that I can't earn the salvation, okay? I've been given the salvation, a free gift, but now because of that gift I have, and Pastor Brothers Pastor quoted Minigo from, from James chapter 2. I'm going to show you that I'm saved by what I do. I didn't earn it, but I'm going to show you. In these last days, ladies and gentlemen, as, as true believers, what do you say we show this world, this great hope that we have? What do you say we show that our faith is alive by what we do? I didn't earn the salvation, but because I have it, I'm going to do these good works God has called me to do. Amen. Amen. Pastor Beto, um, this question here is going to kind of hit hard in the room, especially because it is so pertinent and prevalent in our generation. Um, but uh, let's just ask it in its most simplest form. According to the scriptures, what happens to those who commit suicide? Um, yes, Pastor, and 
this um, this question is definitely one that is uh, very difficult. Um, can I actually have uh, do all animals go to have, uh, heaven uh, for 500, please? <laughs> um, I'm kidding. But um, this particular question is definitely uh, just difficult because, you know, um, it's such a hard place to be in. If you are here today and if you are feeling like you're losing hope, like you can't go on anymore, there is one that can help you, that is one that can sustain you, that is one that can uphold you that can pull you through the, uh, the despair and the loss that you're, you're, you're facing right now because your life is worth living. So if you are here today, just know that you are precious. Know that you are loved. Know that your life has purpose. Oftentimes when we mess things up, we may think that our life has no purpose anymore and that there's no other way, there's no other choice. But that is just a lie from the pit of hell. The enemy is trying to take your life. He's trying to um, take you away from the Lord and take you away from your loved ones. And, you know, I can tell you that that, that is not the answer. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll have some time here to pray if you find yourself in that situation. But, um, but that definitely is not God's purpose uh, for your life. Um, so to answer this question, um, biblically speaking, uh, the Bible does view suicide is the same or equal to murder. Because God is the only one that can decide when and how a person should die. You know, we, we really ought to be in a place where we say, Lord, our lives are in your hands, right? And, and because our, your, our lives are in your hands, we trust you that, that your timing is perfect. You're the only one that's able to do that. God is the giver of life. According to Job, he is the one that gives life, and he's the only one that can take away the life. Um, suicide is definitely taking one's own life, and it is ungodly because it rejects the gift of life that God has given us. Kind of like what Tommy was saying, this is that you receive a, uh, a box, an Amazon box, and you don't open it, you do it. You're like rejecting that. You're like basically telling the UPS driver, hey, take it away. I don't want it. And it's a free gift that God has given us. It's the, the free gift of life. Um, and therefore, no man or woman should ever take the authority from God to say, you know, I know best what to do with my life. Amen. So once again, according to the Bible, suicide is a sin. It is not the greatest of sins. It is not worse than other evils in terms of how God sees it. And it does not determine a person's, a person's eternal destiny. However, suicide is something that definitely has a long and deep lasting effect on your loved ones. Because oftentimes when we're thinking about suicide, we're only thinking about ourselves. We're only thinking about what, where we're at and what we want to do and, and how we can get into this. And again, I do pray and hope that the Lord will be able to get you to the place where you're asking the Lord to just really give you the peace to keep on going, to keep moving forward. Um, the Word of God tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, and again, this particular topic is a little, you know, um, there's a little bit of controversy, right? There are several cases in the Bible that it talks about different people that committed suicide. I mean, Abimelech 
got committed suicide, right? He threw his sword out and 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 he said, you know, uh, uh, kill me, lest a woman may say that, or lest people say that a woman killed me. And he had his servant kill him. We had Saul who said, draw your sword and trust through me with it. Let, let unless this circumcised come and trust through me and mistreat me. But the armor bearer would not do it. And then he went up and ended up just piercing himself. And then what happened is, is that the armor bearer then committed suicide because of what just had happened. Um, and, and, you know, there's so many different cases I can go on and on. And then we get to the, the case of Samson who prayed before the Lord and says, Lord, would you just strengthen me one last time that I can go ahead and kill the Philistines? And the Lord granted him strength and he was able to do that. In that particular case, he wanted to destroy them. I don't think that his original intent was that he wanted to die, but in the end, he ended up hurting himself. And then it gets us to the very last one, which is Judas, right? Um, who knew exactly what he was doing. So in all these different circumstances, there's so many different circumstances and so many different things. The one thing that I have not touched on is, is that there's also the element of mental health. Sometimes when you are in a place where you're not right, mental health is, it, you'll be in a place that's no different. And I was, when I was talking with my beautiful bride yesterday, you know, she was saying, say, for example, you know, you have an alcoholic uh, who drinks alcohol, they damage their liver and therefore they die, you know, from, you know, liver disease and stuff. In essence, they're killing themselves. And oftentimes when we look at mental health, we don't see it the same way. So, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely believe that, uh, that we really should be taking care of ourselves in every single aspect. If you are thinking that, um, that you want to end your life, is there something going on with your mental health? Is there something going on with you that you need medical professional uh, help to do that? So just to kind of wrap up my answer here, and, and Pastor, I'll hand it over to you uh, so we can uh, pray. Um, you know, um, biblically speaking, the, the, the Bible, the Word of God does tell us that it is definitely a sin. It is something against the Lord. But once again, there's also the other aspects of mental health and everything else that's going on. So, uh, Pastor, with that, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Can we in this room just for a moment together, can we just close our eyes? And I want to pray. Heavenly Father, we speak to this spirit of death that has come against this generation that is, that is tormenting and, and oppressing and, and, and making men and women believe that life is better if they don't exist here anymore. It is a lie from Satan. So we speak life today where there has been these thoughts of death, these attempts at, at, at suicide. We come against you in the name of Jesus. I don't, and I don't just speak against the problems that have led up to this, even as Pastor Bethel just said. We speak against the mental health, the the distortion of thought, the, the, even how uh, the decay of, of our own minds because of the sinful uh, time period that we are still living in. God, we ask you'd bring healing to the minds of those who feel so broken and confused and, and uncertain and maybe even unaware of what they're doing. God, bring, bring I mean, a, a right mind. I think of the uh, the man who was possessed by a demon of legions. Uh, there was a legion of demons within him, but Jesus set him free. And when he was free, the Bible says he was clothed and in his right mind. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to, in, in your powerful name, to combat all those demonic powers that have been sent out from hell to lead this generation into such mental disarray that they feel like the only way out is to take their lives. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus, and we speak life now where there's been these thoughts and attempts of death. 
We command these legion of, of demons to leave your mind, leave your life, to set you free so that you can sit at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in your right mind again. I thank you, Father, and I will speak what the scriptures say. You will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. If you are being tormented in any way, if you are struggling with these suicidal thoughts and tendencies, get help. Get help. Talk to somebody. Talk with us. We're here to pray with you. Do not go through this alone. Even these last days, Pastor, about how many different pastors have I seen that have taken their own lives because they refuse to ask for help. They don't think they, they, they should or, or can or what are people going to think of me afterwards? We'd much rather have you here. Okay? We'd much rather have you here. So please reach out, reach out and, and allow us to, to help you and call upon the name of the Lord with you. Amen. Um, I just kind of feel like we need, we need to close this up. So Pastor, what we'll do is we'll take your question and I will actually, I, I will answer that this week because um, it's a great answer that she has. But I, I want everyone to get, catch this last question. Can we just jump to that last question that we have? Um, because this is the hope that we have. <clears throat> Since we're going to be there forever, what are we going to do? What are we going to do forever? What's going to happen forever? I think we all might have a myriad of answers to this, but we're already doing it here on earth. Part of what we will do in heaven is praising and worshiping and declaring the praise, the, the awesomeness, the grandeur of our God. We will do that for all eternity. But it's also what we kind of do every Sunday. We don't even realize it. We use our creativity. We serve each other. We go out of our way to encourage and love on one another. We build relationships. We Really, this becomes, for some of us, the most enjoyable time of our week because we feel a peace here. We feel a, a unity here. We have a hope here. And, and then the giftings that God has given us, we get to use them here. What's going to happen, I believe, when we get to heaven, that new heaven and that new earth that we will reign with Christ forever is the, the uh, literally the, the giftings God has given you, the creativity God has given you. You're going to continue to serve God, His will, forever. And, and the things we're going to create and, and the discoveries we're going to find. And, and I, don't, I don't even know if, if in our, our glorified form we'll be able to travel the cosmos. I, I don't know, but Christ is going to reign over it all. And it's going to take forever. It really is going to take that long for us to do everything that God wants us to do. It's going to take that long to experience all the joy, all the hope, all the peace, all the, all the excitement we're going to have. And so if you want any details of heaven, you can look there in Revelation 21 and in 22, explain some of the, the, the dimensions of heaven and what it's going to look like. But what am I going to do there? All I know is this. I'm going to love every single moment of it forever and ever. Amen. And not just because it beats the alternative of eternity in hell, but because everything that you've found enjoyable about this life is only going to be amplified by the fact that now you are in the presence of God forever. If you believe that, come on and put your hands together and be thankful for what it's going to look like forever. <clears throat> Will you stand your feet with me all over this room here today? I know that we haven't tackled every single question that exists, but we didn't actually answer the questions that were given to us, that were sent to us. Okay. Um, and if you have more questions, I've always believed that the only dumb question that exists is the one you refuse to ask. So ask, please just ask. If we have an answer, we will give it to you. But we want to believe today that as we pray over you and as we close this service out, that you'll have made a decision, not only in following Christ so that you can get to heaven, but you'll make the decision, I need to take people with me. We didn't just call this to populate hell so we could get you out. 
We want to see your family and your coworkers and your neighbors and people you love and even people you hate not spend an eternity in hell, but spend an eternity in this new life in heaven. Amen. So if you have anybody that you love that you're praying for that, that could be on the way to hell, but you want to see them in heaven, can you just lift up a hand and say, yes, I have somebody in my life. Amen. I want to see them in eternal life. I don't want, I don't want them to burn forever. Amen. Now let's throw both our hands right now. Let's just pray for these people. Father, as we conclude this series, we're not concluding the actions that we have to take afterwards. God, what we are doing is we are praying for our family members, our coworkers, our, our neighbors, people we, we go to college with and school with. We pray for their souls right now. God, open up their eyes to the truth that they're a sinner, but that you've sent a Savior. His name is Jesus, and Jesus can save them from their sins completely. Heavenly Father, we ask right now that in this moment you would reach them in some way, begin to deal with their conscience, deal with, with their, their struggle and their sin, and show them the saving knowledge of Jesus. Bring them out of darkness and into your marvelous light. If you will do me the favor right now and just begin to speak their name, just put forth their name before God. God, I'm praying for my spouse, or I'm praying for my child, or I'm praying for my parents. I'm praying for, call them by name. I'm praying for their salvation today. I, I want them to, to live with me in heaven forever. I want them to be a part of the new heaven and the new earth that we will reign on with Christ. God, please, I don't want them to spend an eternity in fire and in torment and in the flame. And, and I want them to be with me. So, Lord, I speak their name and I pray for their salvation today. God, send someone to preach the truth. God, may they come across a, a sermon or a podcast or a video on YouTube or send somebody that will, that will point them to Jesus. God, please help me to be a light in the darkness in these last evil days. Come on, somebody. It can't just be about you and what you want from God. We have to begin to live our lives in such a way that we're pointing people towards eternal life and pulling them out of eternal damnation. Thank you, Father. And you're reaching these people we love. And we're believing in these last days, hell is going to get a lot smaller because of how you're going to use us. Amen. And heaven's going to get a lot larger because of the people we're going to bring to Jesus Christ. If you believe that, come on and put your hands together and say amen today. Amen. And if you're thankful for Pastor Beto, Pastor Olga, for Tommy, come on, let's put our hands together and show love. I'm grateful for their lives. Amen. Thank you for ministering the word today. As we leave out of this, this room today, Kelly, Brad, I want to thank you for your example, for being in the house of God. And I pray that the peace of God will go with you today. And as we go and pray at your apartment today, and as we minister to your family, I just pray that when they look on you, though they will see your sorrow, they will also see your hope, the hope that you have in Jesus. So Lord, we pray that you'll fill these vessels today. Fill them answer the questions only you can answer give the peace only you can give and fill them today with that just your precious presence God they're not leaving this place alone you are with them go with them and continue to use us as the body of Christ to minister to the family as a whole hallelujah Kelly you are loved Brad you are loved Miss Danette you are loved Malachi you are loved we love this family. Amen. They will not go through any of this alone. We're with them together. Amen. Amen. You will not go through anything you face alone. If you don't want to, we are here with you. We will stand with you. We will pray with you. We will believe with you. 
and we will see the victory with you. To God be the glory in all things. If you serve a great God, come on, put your hands together. Amen. We love you. Have an awesome week. God bless you. We will see you next Sunday for Baptism Sunday. It's going to be wonderful. Make sure you sign up for that if you're going to be baptized and also are all in class in a couple weeks. Have a wonderful week, family. God bless.